0: I killed her.
1: Don't say that. Maggie walked through that door with nothing but guts. No chance in the world of being what she needed to be. A year and a half later, she's fighting for the championship of the world. You did that. People die every day, Frankie. Mopping floors, washing dishes. And you know what their last thought is? I never got my shot. Because of you, Maggie got her shot. If she dies today, do you know what her last thought will be? I think I did all right. I know I could rest with that. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Tatum. And I'm Geneva. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Hello, Geneva. We are back. Hello, Tatum. Don't know why you're singing. Because I'm trying to not start this podcast in a depressed mood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good job. Yeah. So I guess I feel like, so just to start off, I'm going to treat this podcast kind of in a different sort of way. First of all, because we're recording this episode literally like less than 48 hours after we've recorded the last one. So we probably haven't been watching too much. Um, nope. but also this episode, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow, um, because this is a movie that is very, um, highly emotional for me. And so I don't entirely know how I'm going to navigate it in terms of like, I don't think it's going to be a specific format in terms of talking about the plot or anything. I think it's just going to be more so unless Geneva wants to change it. Cause I don't know how this will be for her cause we're different people, but I kind of just want to talk about our feelings and how we feel about this (laughs) and how it made us feel. Um, Obviously we can talk about like the craft of filmmaking on top of that as well. Um, But I see this as being more of like an emotional type of conversation. And if because of that, it ends up being a 40 minute episode instead of an hour and 40 minute episode. I'm fine with that. Um, But anyway, so yeah, Geneva. Uh, I'll just say I haven't watched
0: anything in the last forty-eight hours. <laughs> so, uh, have you watched anything? I actually did watch one thing because I—I I think Friday. So we last recorded on Friday, and afterwards I went to start Million Dollar Baby, and then I thought, nope, not in the mood. And I instead, <laughs> I watched a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie called The Barclays of Broadway. Uh huh. Um. Which was fine. It's the the last movie that Astaire and Rogers did together. Um, <clears throat> they did it after a, taking a ten year break in their partnership. It's the only movie that they did in color together too, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, altogether, I, I would say it's fine. It's a good time. You know, they have great chemistry. Obviously, they look amazing. Costumes are great. Dancing is great. It, it's not my favorite of the. I haven't seen all their their films. I've seen a handful. It's not my favorite of them. But um, yeah, it's on max hbo max right now so if you want something light (laughs) you want to see some dancing and some beautiful technicolor antics um check it out
1: yeah speaking of something light i actually watched two more episodes of hannah montana this morning because i was like i just need (laughs)
0: let's watch something
1: that's happy and and nostalgic (laughs) Um, and has basically no emotional stakes whatsoever (laughs) Um, I'm here for the vibes. I'm not invested in anything that's going on. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay, cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, so that being said, I'll just go ahead and and jump right into our discussion. So, um, today on the show, we will be discussing one of Clint Eastwood's most critically acclaimed films, Million Dollar Baby, starring Clint Eastwood himself, Hilary Swank, and Morgan Freeman. Finally released in 2004, after years of battling for the film to get produced, Million Dollar Baby went on to be a financial success on top of being well-received critically. It was a global hit that would go on to win Best Picture at the 77th Academy Awards. Based on a collection of stories called Rope Burns, Stories from the Corner, written by boxing manager Jerry Boyd, Million Dollar Baby tells the story of an embittered and tortured old boxing manager who is haunted by the past and the fighters that have faced life altering injuries under his tutelage. Resigned to live his life miserably while just barely disguising his soft heart for his estranged daughter and lifelong friend Scrap, Frankie is brought back to life when a determined, dreaming fighter named, Maddie walk- named Maggie walks into his gym. When she refuses to let Frankie pass her by due to the fact that he doesn't train girls, he ends up taking her on. As they join together as coach and fighter and their relationship evolves into one that reflects more more so that of a father and a daughter, Frankie must face his biggest fear. Is he willing to surrender himself and do whatever it takes to show love to the person that, that has come to mean the most to him in this world? So... That is a little bit of context for Million Dollar Baby and kind of a summary of what the story is about. Uh, Genevieve, oh my gosh, I cannot talk today. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. Your emotions are just so, you know, you're just so in it mentally. So in it. I'm going to drink some water while you talk, see if that'll help. Um, But Geneva, can you share uh, your relationship with this movie and your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, so I had never seen this movie before. I remember when it came out. I remember there was a little bit of controversy around it, although it was obviously very critically um, well-respected, as as Tatum mentioned. Um, I mean, we we talked, I think, a little bit on the episode last time about how I'm just not a sports person (laughs) at all. (laughs) And although there are some sports movies that I do really love and connect with, um, it's generally not my genre. Um, I am a little bit nervous about this episode because I, my reaction Eva to this hates movie this was, movie <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's kind okay. of what my takeaway, um, there's not a whole lot here for me to connect to, to, if I'm being honest. Um, I can see why you do, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's just, just not a lot that I was really getting into. I do really like the ending. I like the note of kind of moral, moral ambiguity that it ends on. I thought that was very well done, but I thought the direction was okay. I had wished that it was a little bit more deft when it comes to the the lighter and more comedic moments. Um, the cinematography is very beautiful, the shadowiness, but I thought that kind of worked against the first half where you're kind of establishing the relationships and um, establishing the sort of love and the the lightness that the characters can have toward each other sometimes the humor that there can be between them um i thought hillary swank hillary swank (laughs) it's contagious it is it is hillary swank oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) all right cut we're starting over (laughs) all right i thought hillary swank was really wonderful um in this role Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood are, they're good, although, you know, to me, they're kind of just doing their thing, you know, the thing they're very good at. Um, there are some things about the script I wasn't crazy about. I thought the the family was a little bit cartoonish and a little bit fat phobic in their portrayal in a way that I didn't super appreciate. Um, and... Yeah, just overall, I thought it was an okay movie. (laughs) I don't have a whole lot of super strong feelings about it, but I'm excited to hear Tatum say what what she really loves about it and connects with it. So Geneva, the shoe is on the other foot because
1: you might be in the same position that I was in with the apartment where I'm just (laughs) like, I mean, it's fine. But I don't really have much to say. <laughs>
0: well, I, I feel um, like I have things to say. I just want to be careful and <laughs> gotcha. How I say it. Gotcha. But.
1: Okay. Well, before. Well, but first I'm also all, in that
0: position of like, I am I also recognize that I am biased to the extent that I'm just, there are sports movies that can make me really care about the characters and the sport. And this is just one where I'm like, this movie is 80% about boxing. I do not care about boxing. I think boxing I don't want to say barbaric, but it's definitely one of the sports that I'm like, gotcha. I don't understand why this is a thing and that I kind of struggle with it. I mean, there are boxing movies I've liked. Like I, I, the Rocky is a really great movie. Creed is a really great movie. But those movies are a lot more, I think, about the the characters within their larger sort of familial and social contexts, And this one is much more exclusively about their relationship to the sport and to each other's roles within the sport, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, that's that's why I struggle to connect with Yeah, I think that's interesting because I...
1: I mean, I was going to say I don't see this movie as being about boxing at all. That's not true because boxing is obviously a huge aspect of this film. But I would say that boxing kind of takes a backseat to the the rest of the world that this movie is creating. Um, But... Before before I really dive into my relationship with this movie, I did want to read um, a review that I found on Letterboxd. It's just from you know a, a normal regular person that wrote on Letterboxd. But I wanted to just kind of start with this with saying I recognize that this is a um, this is a legitimate perspective that I think needs to be just stated from the beginning, and then I'm just going to kind of move on with it, but I wanted to make sure that we touched on this a little bit. Um, So this review comes from someone named Alistair on Letterboxd, and he says, um, yes, the performances are great. Yes, this movie is almost 20 years old, and I knew the ending going in. As a disabled person, however, I just can't get behind a movie that says the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you'll become disabled and you should probably just kill yourself if that that happens. Yes. Yes, I understand that's not the point of the film, but I've seen disability used for comic relief or pity in film and TV a million times over and I'm over it. So I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned something about that, which it sounds like maybe Geneva, I mean, you would have brought that up anyway. Yes. Um, I actually
0: would love to have, I mean, we don't have to have a super long conversation about it, but I would love to have some sort of conversation about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: cause like I said, I want this discussion to be, you know, c- cause this movie I think prompts a lot of um, thoughts and emotions and kind of similar to you, Geneva. I think that like the directing is fine. The acting is fine. I agree. Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman are just doing what they do, you know? Um, Hillary Swank is a huge standout for me. I think this is her best performance, and I'm blown away by her. Um, But, yeah, I I think this movie, for me, is a lot more about, like, the feelings and the emotions and the thoughts that it prompts, as opposed to, like, the actual story itself. Um, I want to try not to be, like super political in how we talk about things because euthanasia can be a very political topic that like splits people and I don't want to state like I support or don't support euthanasia because that's this is not the time and place for that um so well, anyway and I like
0: that the movie well okay let, we'll we'll save it for movie ac- when yeah. we actually get into this conversation yeah
1: so let me let me just go ahead before we get too into it uh I just want to share my relationship with this movie and my experience with it um obviously I chose this film This movie means a lot to me. Um, This film is actually the very first time that I remember watching an Oscar ceremony and actually being invested in it. Um, I watched... Well, I actually wasn't even invested in it at the time. I just remember... Because I was young. I think I was like 9 or 10 or something. I watched the Oscars and I saw this movie winning all these awards and it won Best Picture. And I remember when it won Best Picture, I was like, Oh, I wonder what Best Picture means. And so because this movie won and it looked good, I was like, oh, I want to go do some research and find out what best picture means. And so because of that, I really started to understand how the Oscars function, which therefore helped me like dive into my love of film in a more tangible, practical sort of way, Um, which like obviously my relationship with the Oscars has evolved very much since then. (laughs) Um, But this movie kind of like, prompted my like interest in studying films from more of a critical sense as opposed to I'm just watching it and I like it or I don't like it um and so in that sense this movie means a lot to me um like watching this again it just took me back to that place of just being young because uh, you know continuing with the trend of this podcast i watch a lot of movies what that most people don't watch when they're that young <laughs> um but that's fine um so yeah like i love i love this movie because it takes me back to that time but also on top of that i think um i recognize that there are a lot of people that criticize this movie for certain like how it portrays certain types of people or certain types of life situations in certain lights that not everyone agrees with. Um, and I, I can see those arguments and those perspectives, but at the same time, I like to go to what is the core messaging of the story? And I think the core message of this story is really profound and really beautiful. Um, I don't think that this that the main core point of this story is communicating because you're disabled you should no longer live or I don't think the core of the story is communicating like because you weigh this much it automatically means that you're this type of person like or because you have a mental disorder this is going to happen to you or you know because you grew up in this place you're gonna be you know I think I think that those are problematic elements that exist within the movie itself but for me the core of the story is what I think is is beautiful. Um, And I guess if I were to say what I think the core of the story is, I just, I think that it says a lot about how you can be in a place emotionally where you think that you are worth nothing. You've given up hope on the world. You've given up hope for connecting with people. You've given up hope in God. You've given up hope in life purpose. And you believe in something like you have this dream and this goal, but you've let it die because life has crushed it out of you, but there's still a little bit of it there. And if there's someone that's willing to enter into a relationship with you and join arms with you and live life with you, that changes everything. It can bring hope into your life. It can bring light into your life. It can Basically just bring you back to life, um, which I think is really beautiful because at the end of this movie, our protagonist or second protagonist or whatever, they end up losing their life in like a physical sense. But I don't think they actually lost their life. They gained their life, which is why I chose that quote in the beginning that I did. Morgan Freeman gives this monologue about like, yeah, if she dies today, she'll be physically dead. But at the same time, like think about what you guys were able to do together and, and um, how far she's come and, and how she was at least able to live a life before she died. Um, and I'm not saying that as like a general case for all people, but for these specific characters who were in these specific life situations for them, these are kind of the evolutions for them. And for me, as someone who does not hide the fact that I'm a very relational person, relationships mean everything to me when I'm in dark places. If I don't have relationships around me, I implode. And when I do have relationships around me who are willing to enter in, it means everything to me. And I think that this movie is such a beautiful, beautiful capture of that. Of it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what you've been through. But if you find someone who understands you and is willing to step into your life, That's all that you need. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendship. It can be a father-daughter thing. It can be whatever. Um, And I think, and this is the extra bonus for me, like adding the relevance of sports into that kind of really elevates it for me because sports do give life meaning for lots of people that otherwise wouldn't have it. And sports can be really emotional and they can motivate you to keep going and give you something to strive for and teach you so much about how to navigate this world and how to like fight for what you want and fight for, fight for your rights and fight for all of these different things. And, um, and also they help you bond with other people. So anyway, I, this is a movie that is very special to me because it, it touches on a lot of my, um, like favorite aspects of being a human um but then also like emphasizes how important those things are by seeing what happens when you're put in a situation where you potentially have to take that away from somebody else and there's so much examples of like selflessness here as opposed to selfishness and um anyway yeah that that's kind of like a nutshell of my feelings with this um i see the criticisms but also i think a lot of people look at this from more of an analytical perspective and a critical perspective of like, this is problematic and this is problematic and this is problematic. And I'm like, yes, it might be, but also you're not seeing the forest through the trees. Like there's something really powerful here. And you're, in my opinion, nitpicking. Um, but that's just my own perspective. So, um, And I don't say nitpicking in in like I don't mean that in a critical way of like how dare it like rah it's more so just like you're 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 picking out things that are not the actual reason why this story exists. Um But
0: anyway, so yeah, I yeah.
1: (laughs) That that's what I have to say. Geneva, it looks like you have responses, so I will stop talking and I will let you go ahead.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, thank you for explaining all of that. That was really interesting. I guess I would just say that I I think my takeaway from the movie, from the ending specifically, it was a bit more, that it was more ambiguous, that it was more dark, that it was more, it was less a rebirth for um, Maggie and for Frankie and more more unknown about how it's ultimately going to affect, well, obviously Maggie is no longer living, but with Frank, it seems like, there is this mystery in how does he ultimately react to this you know he goes off and he leaves his old life behind and it's um what is the morgan freeman's character name scrap scrap thank you scrap has this sort of i hope that this will be something that is able to change him for the better but i don't know if it will and i mean I, i found it really interesting too how throughout the film he is kind of reckoning with the idea of faith and trying to involve that in his life and he goes to a priest and he talks about like can I do this is this morally the the thing that I should do and the priest is like ambiguously unambiguously no but he decides to do it anyway and so it's this sort of I feel like I might be damning myself by doing this, and yet I feel like I cannot do anything else. And there's that, to me, there's a sort of melancholy, melancholic aspect to it. You know, I feel like I'm helping my friend through this, but I might be dooming myself, you know, in a sort of soul type of sense through it. And so... Yeah, like, it's just, I don't know, it made me kind of sad at the end, like this thought. (laughs) This movie made you
1: sad at the end? Yeah, well,
0: like, in the sense of, like, this idea that you cannot imagine a life for yourself that does not involve being physically active, which I mean, it's like, you know, that's a very normal human thing for for most of us who are able bodies, like, it's difficult to picture a life for ourselves that doesn't involve that. But I do have to believe that if something like that were to happen to one of us there would be a way to get through it and for maggie and frank to have kind of structured their their lives and what they what motivates them what they hope for around this to such an extent that they both kind of agree that there's no other future for maggie apart from the choice that frank makes yeah it just it it left kind of a a very sort of it 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 was a tragedy in a way to me a little bit again i think it's you know there there's this ambiguity to it but there's this potential for tragedy to be read into it
1: i i would say i don't i don't entirely disagree with you um i do think that is in certain ways the tone that this movie ends on but at the same time and i'm not saying that this is what you're saying this is just me explaining my thoughts I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that movies don't always have to have these happy, restorative endings. And I think that the fact of the matter is there are a lot of people that go through life and they do give up and say there is no hope, there is no purpose, and they die believing that. And I think that, I mean, that's absolutely a a tragedy. Um, but I don't think that this movie shies away from that. I think the, the the reason why I love this movie is because I think you're right in the sense that this movie doesn't necessarily end in a triumphant sort of way, but I think that their lives ended the way that they would have anyway, but they were at least able to have a little bit of life before that happened. Like, I think that Frankie would have gone through his life absolutely miserable until he died, regardless of whether or not he met Maggie or not. So the fact that he was able to encounter this person and experience life and joy and hope for at least the little bit of time that he did, I think is a beautiful thing. And I think that that makes the ending all the more... Gosh, I, I don't even think heartbreaking is the I mean, the ending is definitely heartbreaking for me anyway, but I don't think it's necessarily because... I don't know. I guess it's just, like, I'm grateful that they had each other for the time that they did because, because Frankie was resigned to just... And we see that through his relationship with Scrap. Like, very clearly, Scrap has gone through this tragedy that experienced years ago, and he's been able to move on and still be able to, like you know um foster relationships with the other guys in the gym and kind of mentor them and crack jokes and all of these things and he's trying to bring Frankie out of his slump and i feel like you get a sense that he's been trying to do this forever and it hasn't happened and how old i mean it's been what 60 like 50 years you know and i just think that like yes the ending is a tragedy for sure like i think it's very sad and very depressing, but I think that I'm thankful that they were able to have the joy that they did and that they found in each other for the time that they did, because it's better than nothing at all. And I also think like another layer to uh, Frankie's conversation with the priest, that last conversation is the priest is like initially talking to him about God, but then Frankie responds with, she's not asking for God's help. She's asking for mine. Like, You're talking about the wrong thing. This is not like, I'm not talking about God here. And the priest responds by saying, like, essentially take God out of it. Me knowing who you are as a person, making this decision will push you to a depth of being lost that you will not be able to get out of. And I don't think he means that in a spiritual sense. I think he means that in like a human emotional sense of like, Forget God. Knowing what I know about you, you won't be able to come back from this. And I think he's right. Um, But he does it anyway because he knows that this is the best way for him to love this person. That is the only person he's still really capable of loving that also is, like, willing to love him in return. Because I think his relationship with Scrap, like, Scrap loves him, but he's not really capable of loving Scrap and then he loves his daughter, but his daughter clearly doesn't care about him. And so it's like, this is the one relationship that he has. It's a two way street. And he's like, I love this person so much. And I, because of that, I'm willing to do what they're asking me to do, regardless of like knowing what this means for my future. And so, yes, it's a tragedy, but I also find it to be a profoundly beautiful statement about love and just about like what the meaning of life is is like what is life now we're getting as existential I guess and philosophical (laughs) but like what is life if you don't have relationships to share life with and that is one of my favorite questions that I have revolving in my brain all of the time (laughs) like regardless of whether or not I'm watching a movie like I always think about that like what is life if you don't have relationships where you can really you know live alongside people and feel comfortable in that space um but Anyway, now I'm just rambling. I don't know if this is like an adequate response to what you said, but it's just like what, what came to my brain as you were talking. So
0: Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's a good response. And I will say in this movie's favor, you know, as a compliment to this movie, I do think it is, it, like you say, it's not triumphalist at all in the end. It is very much aware and wanting to create that sense of ambiguity and that sense of um, tragedy, you know, to it. I guess, I guess I just want to
1: ask like, you know, because similar to, I mean, obviously this is a very different film from Pulp Fiction, but similar to Pulp Fiction in the sense that like there are problematic parts of this movie that people really like attach themselves to that for me, I'm like, look past it, enjoy the art form, (laughs) like, come on. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, I I feel like
0: I was much more engaged with Pulp Fiction than mm -hmm. I was. With this film. Interesting.
1: Okay. I love that. That's so interesting. Um, But just to like ask you. I guess in that same sense. What are the things here. That. That. That concerned you. And to what level. Did they concern you? Was it like. Okay. This is problematic. But. eh, All right. Or was it like. This (laughs) is really problematic. And I hate Mm -hmm. that this is in this
0: movie. Well. I will say. A lot of the things. That kind of annoyed me about the movie are truly Mm -hmm. nitpicks like they are truly Mm -hmm. things where if I was more engaged with the story Mm -hmm. you know on a deeper emotional level I would be totally fine with bypassing okay Um, it's just the fact that this is a a story that you know I'm not unmoved by it like I I do really love the relationship that grows between Maggie and Frankie and the the interactions between Frankie and Scrap I just feel like the the way that it's directed sometimes keeps Mm. those things at a distance What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? um, Well, again, I I don't, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of humor to this movie and the way the characters interact with each other that is sometimes fighting against the directorial style. Interesting. Okay. And so that just like kind of, yeah, like felt like it prevented me from fully entering into like, here's this kind of boxing gym that's full of, kind of quirky personalities um you know it's definitely down on its luck but there's this group of people that kind of are a family to each other in certain ways even though they sometimes fight and like I, I feel like I could see that in there but the way that it was directed or and hmm. the, the heavy use of extremely shadowy cinematography sometimes kept that from being hmm. coming to the surface as much as I wanted it to Interesting. Um, So, and again, you know, and this is completely biased because this is me, like just the fact that it is, again, 80%. Revolving around boxing. Revolving around boxing. (laughs) If the characters are not actively boxing, they are talking about boxing. And like, obviously there are other issues at play, but just, you know, that kind of makes it difficult for me to fully enter, (laughs) enter into. This is
1: kind of reminding me about after you watched Moneyball and you were like, Mm-hmm. it's fine
0: yeah, but there's so much Moneyball baseball
1: too. and I'm like but, but no <laughs> that's like, literally the point
0: no ah. again like, <laughs> I actually thought a lot about Moneyball when I was watching this movie I was like I this is a similar experience to me of a uh-huh. movie that is very critically respected and I can respect the fact that it's critically respected. it's just not for me there's not a gotcha. lot here for me to and so anyway what I was saying is that like oh sorry I've, I didn't realize I was cutting you off my bad no no no, you weren't I, I sort of like rambled on from one point to another but <laughs> to go back to my original point it was just I feel like some of the issues that I had with this movie I would have not they wouldn't have jumped out to me as much if hmm. the movie overall I was more engaged with so like mm-hmm. I mentioned the the family Maggie's family mm-hmm I just found them to be a little bit cartoonish again, and I I felt like I would have liked a little bit more, like, explanation or or seeing of what their relationship dynamics are and why Maggie tries so hard to Hmm. please them, even when they clearly, not only they clearly don't care about her at all, but she, at the beginning, seems to have a very clear-eyed idea of, like, these people are going nowhere and I'm very different from them and yet she still feels this need to keep going back to them and giving them things even though though they don't clearly don't respect her um do you not see that as a
1: and this is not like me trying to be critical it's a genuine question like do you not see that as being a normal thing that would happen in real life I mean families are super complex and like grappling with coming from somewhere where you have nothing and working your way up but also still wanting approval from your parents I think wanting approval from your parents is something that always exists a lot of times not a lot of times but like not uncommonly to our own detriment as humans like even if it's not good for us in depending on the situation like we still want approval from our parents and we still feel an obligation to in certain circumstances, like, care for them. And I I understand, like, I can see why Maggie is in the position that she is because she is almost – I think we see that at the end when she refuses to sign the document. Like, that is her finally comprehending for the first time, like, oh, these people genuinely do not give a flying fuck about me. And I think that – I think it's pretty normal to, you know, if you – If you have a complicated relationship with your family, I think it's pretty normal to not really understand that until you get older, you know, and just like, oh, I'm because you don't really recognize that when you're 17. I mean, obviously, this is huge generalizations (laughs) like, you know, there's people who, you know, whatever. But I feel like it's not necessarily unrealistic for someone not to actually understand how their family actually thinks about them until they're like 32 years old and they're really confronted with it in an unavoidable sort of way. Um, and so I I see what you're saying,
0: but I also,
1: I don't, I don't think, think it's, that her situation is necessarily like
0: not, not believable. To no, me. I don't think it's not believable. That, I okay. mean, that's not the issue with it. More that I just thought it was a bit thinly drawn. I would have okay. liked to see more explanation of why relation- relationships are the way they are mm-hmm. and then also i felt like the relationship that she established with her family that she established in the first scene where she talks about where she comes from just was not quite the same as what we later see mm-hmm. the relationship actually is if that makes sense
1: in what way because i like see she, them being directly related so how, she how is it the, different to you
0: she talks about it as if like these people are worthless and I've left them behind. But mm-hmm. then later we see that she actually is, has not left them behind at all. And it I, I there's a discrepancy there that I just didn't fully understand. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean again, like I've only seen this movie once, so maybe I'm just like yeah. misreading the yeah. the scenes. Yeah. I would
1: say I don't I don't see that at all, but that's okay. I also don't think that it's a situation where she's like, I'm better than them, I'm moving on because we have that monologue from um, Morgan Freeman and his beautiful monologue voice where he's like, Maggie grew up knowing one thing. She was trash. So like she she genuinely believes that she's trash and she has that whole conversation with Frankie where she says like on her 31st birthday or whatever and she's like, you know, you just told me that I'm too old to do this, and now I'm turning 31, and this is my, the only thing that I've ever felt good doing, and if you're telling me I'm too old, I have nothing left, and so I don't think that she's in this place where she's like, oh, I'm so much better than my family, and I'm leaving them behind. I think it's more so like, my family is in a place that's so deprived And there's nothing I can do there. And the only place where I feel like I can be any sort of anything is coming here and doing this. And once she actually finds success there, like I think that she still has a connection to her family that she's never claimed to not have. It's more so like I recognize who I am because I recognize who my family is. And so when she starts to have success, she almost wants to like, Bring her family along with her and like lift them up out of it the way that she's been lifted up out of it and she doesn't fully recognize that she should have let them go a long time ago until she's like I said completely confronted with that in the most terrible way possible. <laughs> um, I, I I can see what you're saying in terms of like the family being cartoonish and being kind mm-hmm. of over the top and and yeah. I and I mean, them see... showing up
0: in like head to toe. Universal Mickey Studios Mickey. gear as evidence <laughs> yes. of where they've been I was like come on it's like- a little bit
1: like hitting the audience over the head I agree yeah. with that yeah and I also can see how you're wanting more in terms of like you know the lines being a little bit more drawn and maybe adding a little bit more more
0: meat to those bones I could see mm-hmm. that um but also yeah, well, I, 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 think- felt, I felt like too I just I I would love to I feel like I don't s- learn very much about Maggie as a character except through her drive and then through her relationship with Frank, which are obviously huge, like hugely important parts of her character. But I don't have a sense of what was the catalyst that made her move out to the city? What is, does she have any relationships in her life apart from Frankie and, you know, whatever relationship she has with her family? I don't know. I feel like I would love to see some, something about Maggie in her context apart Apart from boxing to know a little bit more about what's driving her and what her options are and things like that
1: interesting I I love the fact that we don't see anything because I think that's the point I think the point is she has nothing else she has nothing else she's 31 she's a waitress she's taking food off the table no shame to people that are waitresses mm-hmm. and like no shame to people that yeah, are that is a really good at good all detail um but I think like it's making a statement in a subtle way of like, she has nothing other than this. She, I mean, every, the thing is, is like, you know, you're saying you want to see more outside of the gym and this is not me criticizing that thought, but like, She she had like every day she's at the gym until midnight. (laughs) This is her entire life. She's boxing until midnight and then she's out running at the beach. She's literally waking up at 3.30 a.m. to run at the beach in the morning. Like she has nothing to her life other than boxing. There's nothing to see. And again, like that's part of why I love the relationship that she has with Frankie. Because it's like first it was only boxing that I had. And now I have a person that's willing Mm -hmm. to come into my life, too. Because, I mean, she literally says in the movie, like, I have no one but you. Like, you're the only person that I have. And that's true. So it's like, what else is there to see? Um, And that's just my perspective. But I think the movie is very clearly making a statement that, like, she has nothing else. So there's nothing else to see. Her whole life is here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... And I, I and I get I I get where you're coming from in the sense that like this whole life that she has and what matters to her, you don't connect with because it's boxing. Yeah. <laughs> and like like that being a life purpose and a life motivator doesn't make sense to you <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: like there must be a reason why this is her yeah and is I'm the like, reason why and I'm Tatum's like just like no of course it's there yeah I'm it's like of course purpose. it is and it's not no like reason required <laughs>
1: yeah and it's not like just because boxing it's because like mm-hmm. boxing slash sports like I said last week or whatever last week's episode when we ended like and we don't need to go all into this but like you don't just love hockey because you love hockey or you don't just love boxing because you love boxing. You don't just love golf because you love golf. Like there is something about your own personality and the way that your brain works that makes this sport or this activity essential to who you are as a person. And it means so much to you, even if you can't describe it. Like I think about, (laughs) I think about when I was in college and people would ask me, You know, like when I was a senior and freshman thought I had my whole life figured out. And I'm like, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember this one instance where a freshman asked me, they were like, I don't understand. I don't know how you picked Spanish as a major. Like, how did you know that you love Spanish? And I was like, I don't, I can't tell you why. I just love Spanish. And I think sports can be similar too. And I think that for Maggie, of course, like for me, because I'm a sports person, I understand like, Mm-hmm. When you have nothing, sports give you meaning. Like, it's something that you can work toward. It's something that gives you motivation just because it's something that gives you motivation. Like, waking up and going to the gym every day is the thing. Like, mm-hmm. that is the purpose, and that that is a motivation in and of itself. Like, to go mm-hmm. to the gym, yeah. to to get in shape, to work out, to feel like you've accomplished something at the end of your day. Because had you not gone you wouldn't have accomplished anything. So, like, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. It gives you a sense of camaraderie. It gives you a sense of purpose. Also, like, playing sports biologically, like, gives you endorphins and things like that and, like, Mm -hmm. makes you feel better. Um, You know, there's just so much here. And I think, you know, I don't think there needs to be more subtext because sports already, like... Mean so much and I think for me as a sports person if they had a scene of like oh well I love boxing because this happened to me and that's why boxing means and I'm not saying that that's what you're asking for but I'm saying like there doesn't need to be anything else because it's all said within the fact that Maggie loves boxing and it's what gives her purpose and like for you that might just not be enough because you don't you need a little bit more like. Oh, you need a little bit more something there in order to understand why a sport is significant for a character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I appreciate that explanation. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, are there, are there any other, um, nitpicks? I mean, yeah, I mean, just, just any, I, I'm more interested in pulling out any thoughts of you from you that I can. Cause I feel like like I could just keep going and going, but I don't want it to just be a Tatum monologue. Yeah, so. but I
0: also don't want to be like, let me poke holes in your one of your favorite movies, Honestly, and have this whole movie be like this whole episode be you on the defensive. I don't think anyone can poke
1: holes in this movie for me.
0: <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm like, good. if you don't like it, and if you don't have, or if you don't like
1: it, and if you have complaints, that's fine. That's not going to change the way I feel about it. So, unless you're sitting there and saying this movie is stupid, then that would be something else. But you're not saying that. <laughs>
0: um so i i would love to hear your thoughts yeah um i mean what are your thoughts on the narration because to me there was too much narration Uh (laughs) uh-huh i mean i love obviously morgan freeman is great narrator you know read the phone book and it'll sound amazing coming from his voice but i just thought there were there were several moments where i was like i would i feel like this movie is telling me things that i would Mm. rather see
1: well That Geneva, man, that is so interesting to me because I feel like, (laughs) okay, before I directly answer your question, I'm just going to say this to like comment on what you said. I feel like there are specific long monologues in this movie that help explain why sports matter. I, I would think that that would be helpful to you. Like, like, because Scrap has these long sequences where he's like, you know, if you're a manager you have to like strip your your fighter down to bare wood and make them only listen to you and because of that it makes them grow in this way and and the more that they they feel it in their bones like it it i feel like scrap explains a lot of times why boxing means everything to these fighters and to these managers so I guess, like, in the direct way to answer your question, I, I could see the narration being a little bit excessive in certain points. Like, I'm not... I'm willing to admit that. But at the same time, I think a lot of it is beautiful because it does explain the emotions behind why sports matter to people. Did did it not, like, help you at all in that sort of
0: way? Um, not really. Okay. <laughs> I think I, I... It makes more sense to me when I see it rather than when... Mm. A character is saying this is why this sport is important
1: would you ah that like i this is okay because i feel like
0: okay i don't know I, well, i'm not gonna well, I'm say just, that as like a hard and fast rule no but no. in this case there there's just a lot of there's a lot of narration <laughs> there's no, so I, much narration i agree with you I and i agree did kind you. of it kind of got i don't want to say it was tuning out because I wasn't but I don't know there's just there's just so much
1: (laughs) yeah I mean again I agree with you there is a lot of narration in this movie does it all need to be there no but at the same time like there's a lot of things like for example the quote I said before of scrap bringing up like Maggie grew up knowing one thing that she was trash and I think that that's a really granted like could they have shown us that yes but I don't think it needed to be but And then also thinking about, like, again, these whole monologues that Scrap has of talking about boxing. Again, going back to that one line because it's the one that keeps coming back to my head in this moment. But, like, you know, you got to strip them down to bare wood. Make sure they only hear your voice. Like, da-da-da-da-da. I'm i am almost feeling like, and please forgive me if I'm, like, projecting things on you. You're like, Tatum, that's absolutely not how I would feel at all. But I almost feel like if the movie were to show a perspective of like a coach stripping their fighter down to bare wood and making them only listen to their voice, like would that have connected with you as someone who doesn't necessarily understand sports dynamics? Like if you'd seen a coach treating their fighter in a certain way like that, and then I don't know, like would that have come across for you?
0: Fair enough. Some of the the monologues that Morgan Freeman gives about boxing and why, what the sort of psychological purpose behind boxing is were helpful. Like with the part where he talked about how boxing is not just about hitting one another. It's about mm-hmm. respect. It's about mm-hmm. um, who has it, earning it, taking it away from the other person. That was very helpful. I did mm-hmm. like that. To me, it's more the problem with like narrating actions that are happening mm-hmm. on screen that I felt like you you don't need that. Like there's this mm-hmm. one specific moment that I remember thinking about where um I think it's introducing the fact that um, Frankie has this daughter that he's estranged from and he keeps writing letters to her and they all come back returned to sender. Mm-hmm. And so he he receives the letter returned to sender and he takes out, out this box from the closet and he puts it in and you can see that there's a lot of other letters that are marked the same way. Mm-hmm. And then while that's happening, Morgan Freeman's saying you know, these letters keep coming back marked return to sender. And I was just like, we just saw that you could frame the, the actions slightly differently and make it Mm -hmm. a little bit more clear, Mm -hmm. but we don't need to have Morgan Freeman tell us this. We could see that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. 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 I think that that's a very legitimate, um, very legitimate critique for sure. I think, I think for me, like I've never, it would be interesting for me to go through and watch this movie and kind of like make note of each mm-hmm. one of the monologue sequences and kind of figure out okay what purpose is this actually serving yeah. it because was think- it was
0: much less the narrative monologues about like right you know talking about the characters or, or what they're going through in general the right in, in the more abstract terms those are actually very helpful it's more there's just so many like one line of narrative right one narration that's going along with an action where I felt like we have the action we don't also need the narration
1: Yeah, because I would like to look at them and be like, so which which ones are kind of explaining the significance of sports, which I would say those, I like that those are there. Which ones are alluding to the fact that, like we see at the end, that a lot of what Scrap has been saying is him actually writing a letter to Frankie's daughter. I I think that that's a really, I love that that comes Mm -hmm. together. That was a nice reveal. Versus which ones are just... (laughs) like scrap talking because scrap (laughs) is talking you know I don't know what the Mm -hmm. percentage breakdown of that is because I haven't really thought about it that much but you know when you when you talk about that specific instance of the letters like yes I would agree with you I just can't in my brain like at this moment think of which ones are which ones Mm -hmm. um but yeah
0: yeah for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I'm definitely not against narration as a framing device I think it can be it's it's really effective when it's well-deployed. I just felt like the ratio was off in this movie. Yeah, I can't even think about what the
1: ratio would even be. But yeah, it sounds like you made note of that, and I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, like, I'm so yeah. wrapped up in everything else that's going on that I, like, mm. it's almost like Morgan Freeman's v- voice is just, like, a comforting, <laughs> like... It's almost like the film mm. score It just kind of exists. <laughs> I'm like,
0: oh, yeah, this is, yeah. like... Well, I just kept, and like, I think there are other movies as well that use Morgan Freeman as a narrator, because again, you know, he's got the great voice for narration. So calming. I just just kept thinking of Shawshank Redemption while I was Mm -hmm. watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Like Totally. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to see Andy again, but I sure hope so. <laughs> I would say, I mean, not to go But I down. like the ratio much better in Shawshank Redemption.
1: Oh, interesting. I was going to say the narration in Shawshank drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't dislike oh, that movie, but I'm like, okay, this narration mm-hmm. needs to stop. Um, right. But, um, yeah, I mean, so did you feel anything when this movie ended <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I finished yeah, this I, I, movie cried. And I was I, like, I, I need I, I to just totally sit admit, here I cried at like, the end. I'm very upset. <laughs> <laughs> and especially because this was your first time watching it. Like the first mm-hmm. time I watched this movie when I was like 10 years old, <laughs> I was like a wreck. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't like man I couldn't function it was so rough oh, and you even yeah. knew maybe it's helpful for you since you knew. yeah I was mean going. I knew I didn't what know where it happen. was going the
0: first yeah. time I, saw it. <laughs> I already knew the plot I knew what the ending was going to be I yeah I, I cried I totally I totally admit it when he I think the tears first started you know when he told her what Mokushla means then I was just like all right here we go <laughs> <sighs> and then the tears continued through the end
1: And also when you think about the significance of that, because it's like this ongoing thing throughout the movie where Frankie keeps telling her when you win, I'll reveal to you Mm -hmm. what Makushla means. And there's all these sequences throughout the movie where she keeps asking him and he's like, I can't tell you yet. I'll tell you when you win. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that he tells her at the end and it's like, Oh, it's because like, she's finally won. And so it's okay for like, he's, he's following through on his promise that when she wins, he'll tell her what it means. And God damn it. It's like, like, (laughs) I'm going
0: to start crying right now. I I'm Uh, trying to keep it together. It's just, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. And there, again, the chemistry between Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood is, is very good. Yeah, Yeah. they have a really, really sweet relationship, and I really did enjoy watching the two of them on screen together. Yeah, and just
1: seeing, like, how they go from, like, I think from the very beginning they have mutual respect for each other, but Clint Eastwood, or, you know, Frankie is just this grumpy old man who's, I mean, he's not just a grumpy old man. He has, like, a lot of trauma that he's causing him to be so avoidant, but
0: it's like they go from... Which, they do they ever reveal, like, what exactly his trauma is or or why it is that he's estranged from his oh yeah oh from his daughter no yeah because i obviously they tell the story about his relationship with scrap and the guilt he feels Mm -hmm. um with what happened to scrap and the part that he feels like he played in it even though i i think it's you know he's probably taking on guilt that he doesn't need to take on but yeah do they they don't get into why he is estranged from his daughter correct no
1: Mm -mm. no it's kind of left open to interpretation um uh oh yeah but I just I find it to be I I love to see the arc of their relationship how they go from him being resistant to them totally just like I mean I mean this in not a creepy romantic way but like the two of them falling in love with each other like Mm, they like they become each other's whole world and you know and then it goes to this place where he essentially feels like he killed her and, but she's at at the same time, like still so grateful. I mean, she's uh, like again, <laughs> going into like the sad place, but at the end she has this whole speech about, I seen like, I've seen the world. I traveled all around. Like, don't make me lie here until I can't hear them chanting anymore. Like, don't do that to me, you know? And mm-hmm. so we see them get to this place where, They still love each other, and she's so grateful to him for what he's done. And he loves her so much that he wants to see this future for her of, like, you know, I was thinking I could get you a chair with one of those straws that you could roll with and go back to school. And they talk about moving into a cabin together and all of those things. But slowly you see Maggie start to really accept the, like, the situation that's actually happening and Frankie's in denial about it he wants to keep going and which I think is beautiful that he that he holds on to this like optimistic view of life whereas Maggie she's the one who is lying there and literally losing limb after limb it's like yeah they've only taken her leg but if she keeps laying there
0: they're gonna take her other leg eventually and then which by the way sorry this is a this is a small nitpick but I I looked this up afterwards I'm like, I feel like this you can sue a hospital if you if they are neglectful to the point that you're developing bed sores and are losing limbs. Like this this must be an extremely neglectful (laughs) rehab facility that she is in because they have ways of turning you regularly and keeping you clean that will prevent those sorts of things from happening. I know it's a small thing, but I was just like I I, I'm pretty sure they know how to like prevent those things from happening. And there must be some sort of malpractice going on if that's if that's that, what you know, anyway, sorry. That, that may tip. be true. That
1: very well may be true. Um, but anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. I mean, I just before. I just I think it's just a reflection of her seeing, you know, it's like Frankie sees it from the outside and what he the life that he wants her to live. Whereas Maggie is seeing this is the life that I actually have to live. And mm-hmm. she's the one who ultimately at the end of the day has to live it. And so we see their relationship just continue to evolve and continue to evolve until it gets to this point where she's like, I love you so much that I'm asking you to do this for me. And seeing there are different ways of responding to that. If she's like, I love you so much, please do this. And he's like, I love you so much. I can't. And then once he sees that she's, basically going to kill herself anyway, which makes the argument of like, is this actually euthanasia? Because she would have committed suicide on her own terms. Um, But once he really sees that she bites her tongue and she's going to have to be sedated for, for God only knows how long in order to keep her from doing it again, he's like, like this is not, you know, this is just not okay. and, and, I don't know I just I love the arc of the two of them and I think that the place that it ends is just good golly it yeah it's it's so it's it's just heartbreaking but I think it wouldn't have been as heartbreaking if it was that it was if they hadn't established their relationship so well throughout the rest of the movie um but yeah this movie bums me out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it really bums me out but it's yeah it's so beautiful at the same time so anyway yeah uh, flaws and all I I still mm. I absolutely I absolutely love this movie yeah. I you know me I love a good feels movie that I mean <laughs> you know I think also to something that I that I know is a very common criticism from people for this movie which I very heartily disagree with But, you know, I've watched movies before that, you know, they end and I'm like, oh, man, this is really sad. This is really tragic. But then I step away from them for even just like an hour or so after I've finally calmed down. And then I reflect on it. I'm like, that movie was emotionally manipulative. And the purpose of that movie was only to make me sad. And that's all it did. All it did was make me sad. And I'm like, okay, but why? Like, you're just exploiting my emotions to make me cry. Therefore... Like, I don't think that you're a good movie. You just know how to manipulate people to make them feel sad. And there are people that say that this movie is emotionally manipulative. I don't think that it is. I don't think that the purpose of this movie from the get-go is, we're going to make you cry by the end. Like, I think that they were pretty positive that that was going to happen, but I don't think that was the purpose behind the movie. And so, yes, I would very strongly push back against people who criticize this movie for for considering it to be emotionally manipulative mm. because i don't think that it is
0: yeah that's actually a really interesting con- not done about this movie specifically because i agree i don't i don't think this i don't find this movie to be emotion emotionally manipulative just the question of wh- how do you define emotionally manipulative in general mm. because mm-hmm. i mean there are every movie is going to be acting on your emotions or at least trying to act on your emotions in some way and i think trying to evoke feelings of sadness and melancholy is a completely legitimate emotion to want to inflict. So how do you define if a movie is successfully making you cry, how do you define whether it's doing it in a manipulative way as opposed to an honest and genuine way?
1: Yeah. And I think for me, it's just like, what is the purpose of this movie? If the purpose is let's just do whatever we can to make you cry because we know all the tricks like, that's emotionally manipulative. But this is a movie where it's like, we're reflecting on the human experience in really profound ways. And sometimes being a human being, living in the world and having to face reality is incredibly tragic. And I think that that in and of itself is sad, but it's sad because it's telling a human story, not because it's like, let's just, let's just be sad for the sake of being sad. Um, Because... Why? <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any further thoughts about this movie. Because, um, again, like, this movie is just a very emotional experience for me. Um, and, you know, I have the nostalgic connection to it. Like, watching this at the age that I did and with the type of personality that I have, it it was so impactful to me to see a woman
0: this strong, on camera Mm. like it the first time that she came on screen and was punching that bag I was like all right I see why this (laughs) is a this movie (laughs) yeah
1: like I could and at the time because I'm actually just connecting the dots in my brain right now but so I started playing hockey when I was 12 so this movie came out before I was playing hockey and I was still in gymnastics and still kind of fighting with the fact that like gymnastics isn't for me but I feel like I'd be too boyish if I did something else. And I don't want people to like criticize me and da-da-da-da-da. And I was dealing with all of those like insecurities and not really knowing how to step into my, you know, more uh like I, I don't even know my more like stereotypically like masculine type of roles or personalities in my life. And watching this movie, I was like, oh, my gosh, you can be a woman and be incredibly strong and powerful and do these sports that are so like, you know, violent and do that with like rapport and do that in an honorable, respectable, incredible sort of way. And seeing this type of portrayal of a woman on camera just it was really, really impactful for me at the time. And I mean, it's still impactful for me now. And it's so funny. Now me being like watching this movie and realizing Hillary Swank was 30 years old or something like that. When this movie came out, I'm like, you know, I'm at a different age. Uh, (laughs) She's really hot. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I would date Hillary Swank with, you know, (laughs) with where she's at in this movie because now, now I can do that because we're the same age and it's not weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just thinking about like the representation of her and seeing that in the time in my life that I did, um, it just meant a lot. And seeing this man also have respect for her, like he starts with this perspective of, oh, I don't train girls as if that's a bad freaking thing. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. Women can be super powerful and I can be super invested in like women who are strong and champions and respect them and all of those things. And um, yeah, I I don't I just love I love how much he comes to just like appreciate her for who she is and not just him too. like, you know, you see there's a very brief clip of her in the championship uh, fight and like the the guys in the gym are watching the fight and they're invested and Mm -hmm. you know, and scrap is invested and all these people and the ones who don't believe in her are not the, the men it's you know, her mom and her sister. And, you know, I just, yeah, anyway, not to ramble on and on, but I love seeing strong women on screen. And I think that it's a lot more common now than it was even 20 years ago when this movie came out. And it was a lot more rare at this time. Um, or maybe it's just because I was 10 and I hadn't seen as many movies. <laughs> I don't know. But I do think well, that I it think was a lot has, less yeah, common. It has then. become
0: a lot more common in the last 20 years or so.
1: Which, like, good job, society. Keep going in that direction. Um, But, yeah, you know, that's an extra added element for me that, Maybe you might not have connected with as much. I don't know. I don't know if you look at a boxer and you think, wow, I want to be like
0: that. Um, um, but I definitely did. But that's not gendered in any way because I, oh, I yeah. also look at Rocky and I'm like, I understand that it's this or be a bouncer for a mob boss, which is less, right. I- even less ideal. So right. in general, I'm just like... Why does anyone box? I don't understand. Like, uh, no, no disrespect. I just, I don't understand. You know I did boxing a few years ago, right? I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> Which, great. Which, like, you know, I mean, fighting and, like, learning the moves and, and punching a box. I mean, I, I did a self-defense class. Like, it's fun. It's cathartic. It's, um, It's, you know, great to be able to defend yourself that's great i just don't understand the like gladiatorial sport <laughs> aspect of people gathering around and cheering when you know someone breaks their nose or something yeah. like
1: yeah human nature man yeah it's but weird. you know
0: that's it's that's fine it's it's just not for me
1: yeah yeah i yeah man what wh- what's her name in this movie the the fighter i think they call her the bear or something the one mm, who the like bear. freaking does the cheap mm-hmm. shot and Yeah, which I'm like, like she's kind of
0: uh, of intriguing, actually. I want to know more about her.
1: (laughs) The whole time I'm watching that fight, I'm like, this ref, I'm so mad. I mean, I don't know how refing works in boxing, so I'm sure Mm -hmm. he's going by the rules. I'm sure the movie creators did the research, but I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully these rules have changed, because if someone's acting like that, you can't just be like, I'm going to take away a point. It's like, come on, Mm -hmm. you need to. And he's like, if you do that one more time, I'm throwing you out. I'm like,
0: she's already done it twice. Don't give her a third opportunity. Like, cancel the fight. This is stupid. Yeah, like, (laughs) this is... Yeah, yeah. I like to imagine that... Have you ever seen the movie The Quiet Man? No. Probably not, right? John Mm -hmm. Wayne movie from the 50s? No. The whole whole catalyst of that movie is that he used to be a boxer, but he accidentally killed a man in the ring. And Mm. so he moves uh to Ireland, his his childhood home and is trying to live a quiet life and avoid ever getting into a fight and then events ensue where he actually has to fight someone. But um yeah, I like to imagine that she has her own little quiet man <laughs> arc <laughs> after the events of this movie.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, considering how before she fought Maggie she put another person in the hospital
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think so. I think she just needs to get out of that sport. I think she needs yeah. to be banned.
1: Yeah, I think she just needs to be kicked out, and yeah. she needs to go see a therapist. Find that some other
0: yeah, some other outlet for her her rage. Like therapy.
1: Go, go to therapy. Do some scream therapy if you need to. Like you know, <laughs> did scream therapy exist in two thousand four? I don't know. Uh-huh. Um. But okay, I don't know anything else. I mean. I know that a lot of people have complaints about the storyline of danger. I don't really want to get too much I was literally about to it. ask
0: about your, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I want to be careful because I know that people find it to be super problematic in terms of its portrayal of, you know, just mental illness and, and representing you know, people who struggle with mental illness in certain ways and, and all of those things. Um, and I will be the first one to say, like, I don't know the correct terminology for certain things, so I'm going to try and, like, n- not put my foot in my mouth because I will claim I'm not as educated on, like, the correct terminology for things. Um, but, you know, I I don't see danger as a token, like, mentally challenged person I see him as an interesting character that has his own special arc that also re-emphasizes what sports and in this show particularly boxing can mean to people he's another example of someone who comes from a place where he has nothing and boxing is the only thing that gives him joy in his life Even to this sense where like even if he's being bullied by other people or whatever, whether he's consciously aware of it or not, he still keeps coming back because this sport is something that that gives him purpose because similar to Maggie, like he, you know, he comes from, you know, to use the terminology of this movie, like he comes from a trashy sort of background and he doesn't have anyone. He was abandoned in this place when he was thrown out of a truck. And I think that his story is is quite beautiful. Like, is it as – is it gone into as in-depth as Maggie's? Absolutely not. Um, could there be more there? Yes, which could beg the question, why is he in there anyway if we're not really going to dive into that in his story? But I like him as as an added element of just reemphasizing this is what sports can mean to people. They can bring you a lot of joy and also showing, like, scrap as more of a mentor type of person and not just this janitor you know and and showing how nurturing he is and and um I don't know I I can see where people can take it in an insensitive sort of way um but for me I I I appreciate it and I see I don't know. I see a lot of value in him as a person. And I'm I'm
0: happy that he's there and that he's represented. So
1: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I actually yeah. quite
0: like the, the danger subplot and his relationship to Scrap and the sort of protective aspect of Scrap that it brings out. I think the the most moved I was in this movie, apart from the ending, which is obviously the most moving <laughs> part of this movie, but was when uh, Danger returns to the gym at the mm. end and is like, yeah. you know, you said... anyone Anyone can lose lose one one fight fight, but I just got to keep going you know I was like oh that's that's actually really beautiful that he's found this sort of place that will you know has not always but where he feels like he has the chance of being accepted as he is and where he can keep on you know trying for something striving for something day after day and he has someone there who's looking out for him and is willing to to take him in so i yeah i I actually quite like that storyline i think my only issue with it you know i i can certainly see like you say um that there are people can criticize problematic aspects of it for me i feel like it was just tonally in a slightly different movie than the rest of the movie mm-hmm. kind of like the family. I felt like it leans a little bit too hard in i want I don't want to say cartoonish. I didn't find it to be cartoonish, but it just felt tonally a little bit out of place in the rest of the movie if that makes sense
1: yeah i I would agree with that um I would agree it is a little bit tonally totally different, but I like. I like the aspect of showing a person and this isn't danger. This is um, what's his face who bullies him all the time. I Sha- like Sha- how shot
0: Terrell, I think Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Mackie. Mackie's character. I um, was like, Hey, what do you have to? Um, Anthony I, Mackie?
1: I like the portrayal of like, we see so many people in this movie that are boxing for the right reasons. And I like how Anthony Mackie's character is a representation of someone who's boxing for the wrong reasons. And That might not necessarily be the case, too, because, you know, there could be subtext there if he's, you know, a a kid from off the streets and this is this is his outlet. And so he comes here to like it's better to do this than to go out on the street and do something else, you know. And I think that he could be he seems to be his own version of troubled. Um, But I like that there is. I don't know, just another example of a way to approach boxing in this movie. Because I feel like we see so many, other than the Blue Bear, like we see so many people that are fighting for these noble reasons or like reasons that are so important to them. And then this guy, it's like, all right. you're. I mean, you know, Scrap literally calls him a punk when he's like, get a job, punk. Like he's just this punky kid who, you know, beats up on (laughs) mentally challenged people. Like that's not okay, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like having that kind of balance there of showing someone who boxes from a different perspective. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, I think it is a really important part of the story for, for what it brings in about what boxing means and what this gym means as a, a space to express themselves physically to these characters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as kind of a counter. Point slash reinforcement to the Mag- Maggie's arc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything
1: else. Yeah. I don't know. Have I fully emphasized
0: <laughs>
1: how much this movie means to me and how tragic I think the ending is? That's just what I want to make sure comes across, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have more to say about that, feel free. Yeah. I just like the whole
0: ladder half of this movie just destroys me um what do you think about we have not yet talked about um you know i feel like we're kind of going backward through the plot if anything that's okay um the beginning and frankie's relationship to willie big willie um Mm -hmm. he had been training but then willie leaves for another manager who's more willing to get him into fights mickey mac mickey mac yeah but it seems like Frankie has this very he's a really talented trainer, but he does have this sort of um, uh, what's the term like he's he's afraid maybe or that. He's oh, he very, definitely is afraid. Yeah. Yeah. He's very hesitant about putting his um, fighters up for in positions of actual danger or for something that he feels like they're not ready for. And so I guess that, you know, is important foreshadowing for. Um, the way that he manages Maggie's career arc. But yeah, any, any thoughts from you about uh, Big yeah. Willie as a character or what he br- shows about Frank?
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely love how it starts with Big Willie because I think it does such a good job of, first of all, establishing that you can... Box and do it for really beautiful reasons and be a genuinely kind person (laughs) Um, as a boxer, as a very famous boxer, which he clearly is. But then I also think it does a really good job of establishing Frankie from the very beginning because kind of branching a little bit off of what you said or or springboarding off of that, like, you know, we we learn so much about the fact that clearly Big Willie is a very talented fighter and Scrap says to him, he could have gotten a title shot two years ago, but he stuck with you way longer than he should have because, he, because he really likes you and he really respects you. And he knows that he wants you to take him there, but you won't do it. And, you know, we have that, that whole sequence in the beginning when big Willie basically tells him, I'm leaving you. And then, and then Frankie responds with Mickey Mac is a a money. Like he's a businessman. He can't teach you anything. and, Big Willie is like, you already taught me everything I need to know. Like he has so much respect for him, but also recognizes that you have so much fear that you're holding me back from where I want to go. And I think that first of all, that's just a beautiful sentiment and establishing their relationship. But I think it's becomes even more powerful when we see how that's reflected, as you said, in Frankie's relationship to Maggie's career, because we learn that. His natural tendency is not to push people forward, not because he wants to hold them back. He ends up doing that, but that's not why he does it. It's because he's afraid of them getting hurt, because the last time he pushed someone that far forward, they lost an eye and couldn't see for the rest of their life. And he carries that with him, and, which I think is just so beautiful, kind of showing how much he loves Scrap. Mm. which is well, actually, only hinted at, but... yeah. Actually, um, sorry,
0: quick point of clarification about that story. I thought the point of the story was not that he was pushing Scrap forward. It was that he literally didn't have the power to stop the fight because he wasn't in the position of manager, but he still feels like he should have done, gone above and beyond what his actual role was to stop it.
1: Well, he was... I mean, I think that is an element of it, but he also was part of the like group of people that helped scrap get where he was like he was Mm. a part of that so he's part of the reason why he was there in the first place and he also wished he could have done more to stop the fight so it's kind of like two things Mm. um so when we see that reflected in maggie's career when he actually and this is another moment where i love the narration by scrap because he's narrating this thing and he goes he says something along the lines of like Frankie did something he was terrified to do. He moved her up in class and he keeps narrating like how much it means every single time he pushes her forward and pushes her forward. And he's not, and he's doing it because he loves her and he knows that that's what she wants. Even though everything in him is like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And the fact that he takes her to the title against this very like violent famously known for being violent fighter the fact that he takes her to that place I think is a reflection of how much how much he loves Maggie because he would not have taken a fighter into that situation with the blue bear previously at all given his like track record but because he loves her so much he's willing to take her there and obviously he like you know ends up like Ugh, like writing that decision all but. of his worst fears come true right but mm-hmm. I love seeing that contrast between where he starts with Willie where he's like I can't do it I'm too scared To now he's in a place where he's like I'm also still just as scared but I love you so much that I'm gonna push through but then the fact that like his worst fears come true make the ending like even more tragic because the movie ends and it's like okay what happens to him now because obviously he's having to deal with the fact that he, you know, literally killed her through euthanasia, but also, as he said, like, he kind of killed her before that, and he never wanted to do that, and he knew that was going to happen, but he did it anyway, and then that did happen, you know? Like, where is he going to end up? And and we know that he goes back to that diner at the end of the movie, which I'm like, I my gut says he bought it, and he's just going to live there and own that little you know, diner for the rest of his life. I, or maybe he's just going to go in there and eat his little lemon pie every day. I don't know. But, um, good. Like there's just so much, there's so much going on here, like so much complexity, but I think, you know, you're asking about big Willie, which is happening in the beginning, but I think the story is so circular and everything is so interconnected that it's like, I can't talk about Willie in the beginning without talking about, his relationship with maggie in the middle at the end
0: yeah definitely Um,
1: but i love big willie he's great (laughs) he seems like a genuinely kind person he's got a wife and two kids and you know Mm -hmm. he seems great he's wearing a little suit when he comes to tell frankie that he has to leave him like ah he's so great but yeah anyway yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah thank you for bringing up big willie i yeah i think he's great and i love that the movie starts out with that um yeah. Uh, do you want to touch it all on the the friendship between Frankie and Willie? It sounds like for you, you didn't like it as much. Oh, sounded no, sounded no, like no. you said I... it feels like it's like awkwardly funny or out of
0: tone with the rest of the movie. Or no, would, that was that's what I said about danger.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. no, I
0: I love the character of Willie. I agree with you. Oh no, no, I not was Willie. a little bit
1: not Willie. Sorry, oh, did I say Wait, Willie? Yeah, uh, I, I Oh, sorry, I meant the friendship between. Um, Scrap
0: and Frankie.
1: Um.
0: Oh yeah. No. I. I like their friendship. Again. I okay. feel like with some of the way it's directed, just because it is directed in a more sort of, I don't know, ponderous way, and maybe something about the way Clint Eastwood delivers his lines. I felt like sometimes the banter between the two of them was not quite as funny or as charming as it could have been, as the way it's actually written. Um, okay. But I. I I mean, I, I really do love the relationship between the two of them. Even though sometimes I'm like, why does Scrap put up with Frank? He's horrible to him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think
1: he's horrible to him. I think they've got a fun little, a fun little relationship. Like it, going it's on. it's
0: clear they've known each other for for very decades long time. upon decades, and they understand. And even when Frank does say something really rude to Scrap, Scrap knows that he doesn't mean it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, sometimes. We'll That's have to reevaluate Geneva. You know,
1: like... What's our friendship going to look like in forty? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll be the same. Be like, what? Do you have any idea what this gym would look like if I wasn't here for a few days? Probably like
0: it does right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever train a um, a woman that I grow to love as a daughter, and then she gets hurt, and then I start lashing out and blame you for the accident. Um, I think that could be a serious issue with our relationship, but, you know, maybe we'll get over it.
1: Interesting. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be upset if you blamed it on me because, you know, different stages of grief, man. Like people, people process grief in different ways and they say things that they don't mean. If he didn't come around and apologize for it, that would be something. But, (laughs) you know, he came around and he recognized, like, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah,
0: that Um, was nice when he apologized. I like their little... um, the little moment where they were talking about scrap socks oh <laughs> he's like, my god these he's, are scra- my sleeping socks socks. Have he's like yeah these are my nighttime socks <laughs> my daytime socks have more holes he's like Why i you, can give you money to buy socks? more socks and he's like nah just gamble it
1: yep exactly i love it yeah they're great i love their dynamic what are you what are you reading
0: <laughs> oh
1: oh my gosh just thinking about Makushla. i can't <laughs> ah <laughs> which also i wanted to say and maybe we can end on this as a light note um, but there are two office connections, the television show, the office connections to this movie. Oh, interesting. One of which is around the time this movie came out, there was an episode of the office where everyone sits in a room and they're having like, they're all trying to decide whether or not Hillary Swank is hot. <laughs> and like everyone's casting different votes of like, okay, like, saying that she's beautiful is not the same thing as saying that she's hot. So, and they're like this half of the room is hot. And then this half of the room is not. And like they're switching sides back and forth. They're having this whole philosophical conversation (laughs) about like, what does hot actually mean? And is Hillary Swank hot? It's great. Um, Anyway. And then another one is um, there's this, uh, this like cold open to the office when Michael Keeps coming in and he's like watching all these new movies. And because Pam is a receptionist and she's the first person that he sees when he walks in, he like quotes all these movies. And so the first one is Devil Wears Prada. He comes in and throws the coat at her and is like, Coat. <laughs> and then there's one day where he's like yelling out of his office, Steak, where's my steak? <laughs> and then he's like, Get get Armani on the phone. You're not going to Paris. <laughs> and Pam's like he's watching million or he's watching devil's product and then the next day he comes in and he apologized to Pam he's like yeah it turns out uh Meryl Streep is the villain I apologize (laughs) if I was mean to you and she's like you finished the movie and then he goes I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings babushka and she's like babushka and then she goes into another room she's like Makushla he's watching million dollar baby he's gonna try to kill me (laughs)
0: oh that's hilarious (laughs) anyway so
1: those are two office references uh where they connected to million dollar baby and it's great uh r.i.p the office i miss that show um it will live on forever in my heart but anyway all right so let's jump into some awards and critical reviews shall we all right Um, let's do it so this movie, regardless of the criticism that a lot of people throw at it, um, it holds an 86 on Metacritic and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was honestly surprised because a lot of people criticize this movie. Um, but so as far as awards, it was nominated for it was nominated for seven Oscars, of which it won five. So it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Editing. And then it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Clint Eastwood, Best Supporting Actor for Morgan Freeman, and Best Actress for Hilary Swank. Oh, I forgot Hilary it won Swank. Best
0: Picture. That's that's great because um, I said that it's at been the on beginning. my list. Yeah, I, I didn't hear you.
1: <laughs> I think Sorry. that was the fir- like one of the first things I said. <laughs> I had that whole thing about, like, this was my first time watching the Oscars and it won Best well, Picture. Well, no, I and remember I you like, talking about that. I,
0: I didn't catch that it actually won. I, I thought you meant that it was nominated and you were hope rooting for it to win. I forgot. No, I, I, I had known that it had won and then I yes. forgot it. But that's great yeah. because I've been wanting to watch all the Best Picture winners. Yeah. And- this is so it did one win, I fucking cross off my list.
1: It did win Best Picture. I think it deserved it. Uh it won and Hillary Spake won Best Actress, which I think is deserved.
0: Mm, yeah, I don't know wonderful.
1: who Clint Eastwood was going up against for best actor. I'm gonna see if I can um, look it up right
0: now. I'm very curious. I also about don't this. know who
1: Morgan Freeman was going up against either, so maybe. I don't know. Um but Yeah, so just to read, uh, so I pulled two reviews. The first one I pulled because I don't necessarily agree with it, but I see it as a very common opinion,
0: Mm -hmm. so I wanted to... Oh, sorry, just quick. um, uh, Clint Eastwood lost Best Actor to Jamie Foxx in Ray. No, no, he won. Clint Eastwood won this year. Uh, Not according to Wikipedia. What? Hold the phone.
1: Oh, you're right. He did not win. Sorry. Okay, yeah, he lost... Who did Morgan Freeman win? Morgan over? Freeman
0: did win. Yes.
1: yes. Who was he going up against?
0: Um, so Jamie Foxx in Collateral. Oh, okay. um, Great performance. Clive Owen in Closer, also ooh, great performance. Thomas Hayden Church in Sideways, also a great performance. And Alan Alda in The Aviator, which I don't remember.
1: Interesting. All
0: wow, right. I've, I've now seen all of the movies in the Best Supporting Actor category. This is great.
1: <laughs> there we Sorry. go. Um all Anyways, right sorry continue no no that's fine I'm glad that you reminded me I yeah I read IMDB wrong Clint Eastwood
0: did not win best
1: actor um I feel like I would he, he won that best director he yeah. yeah he
0: he won best director he just I, didn't win best Actor. I
1: would have remembered if he won best actor I just whatever it's fine I was looking <laughs> through tears as I was writing this okay yeah, yeah <laughs> it's understandable I couldn't see straight um the screen
0: was all blurry yeah yeah
1: Um, Okay, so I pulled two reviews, uh, and just to reiterate, the first one I pulled, I don't necessarily agree with, but I wanted to read it because I feel like it's a pretty, like, more so common opinion. Um, And then the second one I pulled because I feel like it exactly represents my feelings about this movie. (laughs) So the first one comes from Christopher Orr at The Atlantic from 2004, and he said... The maddening thing about Million Dollar Baby is this: both sets of critics were right. The movie is simultaneously conventional and subversive, broad and nuanced, shamelessly manipulative and genuinely moving, a cheap sucker punch, and a work of real moral weight by chance or design. Eastwood produced a true rarity, a hackneyed masterpiece. so I thought that was interesting because it kind of shows the two different perspectives and how they kind of can
0: still exist in the balance yeah. of this film. I think he's being Um, too harsh. I would not call this movie hackneyed or shamelessly manipulative at all. I also don't know that I would call it a masterpiece, but I I do think it's not, you know, there is nuance to it. There is real moral weight to it. There is um, genuine, it is genuinely moving. So,
1: yeah. I think that's what he's going for. He's trying to show the two different perspectives. Like there are people that call it simultaneously conventional there are people that call it subversive there are people that call it broad there are people call it nuanced so he's like at the end of the day it's both it's a hackneyed masterpiece like it's the extreme of both which lands it somewhere in the middle I guess um so yeah this next one comes from James Berardinelli at Real Views also from 2004 and he says I deem a movie to be worthwhile if I need time to recover after seeing it Million Dollar Baby is such a film It does not easily release the viewer, and it demands a time of reflection and contemplation afterwards. It is a rich and challenging motion picture that both affirms life and emphasizes emphasizes its fragility. Eastwood touches our hearts and energizes our minds without resorting to overt manipulation. Million Dollar Baby is refreshingly free of the kind of tear-ringing melodrama that has become seemingly obligatory for this kind of story. You don't have to be a boxing fan to appreciate what Eastwood has wrought. This is a movie with the ability to win over all comers. So I wholeheartedly agree with everything said in that (laughs) review, except for maybe that you don't have to be a boxing fan because apparently it didn't work for Geneva. So, (laughs) Um, But yes. Um, So yeah, with that being said, just to kind of close out here, I mean, obviously this movie means a lot to me for lots of reasons. Uh, It met me at a time where it got me interested in film in a critical sort of way. Um, It helped me kind of step into my own shoes or like in my journey of really owning the type of person that I am Um, and, you know, just wanting to do violent sports and be a strong, (laughs) powerful woman and kind of step Mm -hmm. into my own in that way. Um, It still impacts me now in both of those senses, but also it's just... I just, I think relationships are so beautiful, and like I said before, you know, I ask myself the question quite literally, like, all the time, if we don't have close relationships, what is the point in living life? And I think that this movie asks that question in a very brutally honest sort of way, um, and I love that it meditates on that on that question. Um, so, yeah, those are the things that kind of stick with me, and will continue to stick with me going forward what about you geneva is there anything for you or are you kind of like ah it's fine
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you know i'm i'm glad i saw it i really am um probably will not watch it again unless there's some overriding reason for me to. um it you know it, it did make me think about things about like the nature of of love and sacrifice and what we the things that we ask each other to do um About why people might like a sport, even sports such as (laughs) boxing, which is still kind of baffling to me. But you know, all (laughs) different strokes for different strokes, and that's fine.
1: (laughs) So with Pulp Fiction, Geneva calls me a psychopath. No, she. I never. And with this movie, she calls me a barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding on both fronts. I'm kidding on both accounts.
0: (laughs) It also doesn't help that I ever since so um a week or two ago ray stevenson the actor died and i've been rewatching the first few episodes of rome which i still think tatum mm, you might yeah. you might like um yeah on hbo max but of course they have scenes set in the the barbarian <laughs> the, the not barbarian the gladiatorial um you know stage because this is julius caesar rome you know bc 44 or whatever and, you know, it's just people and they're kill- literally murdering each other while people look on. And I'm just like, hmm. <laughs>
1: See, we don't need to go into this, but like boxing is very different from gladiators. <laughs> it like, is. It gladiators is. Gladiators yeah. is literally like, let's do whatever we can to force people to kill each other. I mean,
0: P- yes, there's literally, it literally ends in death, which boxing usually does not. Yes. Um, The purpose of boxing is not death. It is not murder. That's not the purpose of boxing. (laughs) (laughs) But It does. It just does kind of tap into an uncomfortable side of the human psyche that loves seeing violence and blood that makes me uncomfortable. But, you know, that's it. That's human. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, Anyway
1: yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> well it's so funny because now you need to introduce the movie we're talking about next week which I'm like isn't it kind of the same exact thing like I don't understand That's what the difference is ar- okay that is an
0: excellent point that, Geneva's like wow, violence and people killing each other for no reason that I makes don't me uncomfortable I not understand why anyone would want to see someone kill another person alright next week guys we're talking about John Wick <laughs> which
1: is, which is also Geneva's incredibly price.
0: violent movies yes <laughs> which and I love literally- like death killing each other for like why (laughs) like oh my goodness wow great job calling me out because that is you know excellent point that that's what i'm here for you know just to (laughs) call you out on all of your bullshit that's why we're all of my bullshit just do it do it all right anyway. yeah next week we're talking about john wick and i'm so excited because i do love this movie i haven't seen <laughs> violence it in, and all
1: i haven't seen it in
0: years
1: Ooh. years you still
0: haven't seen john wick two as well i right? haven't
1: seen two or three i've seen oh, one and i've seen, seen three, four two. and okay. i will never rewatch
0: four and i never planned to rewatch the first one but oh, here I we are more. i love them all but john wick one i think is probably the best yeah i do love them all and now
1: they've recently announced their in the works of making another one, I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, Keanu.
0: <laughs> Have you seen all the memes about how, well, I don't want to spoil the end of John Wick 4 for oh. anyone who hasn't seen it, but. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that happens, and if so, we'll see how they do it. Yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for, I think this conversation was surprisingly way less depressing than I thought it was good, going to be. Good, good, yeah. Um, I think it was a good conversation. I did almost cry at one point. I was really, exce-
0: I was really glad to hear all of your reasoning for what yeah. this movie taps into for you.
1: Yeah, it taps into a lot of uh sore spots for Tatum. Not yeah. not sore spots but like what, yeah, what do you like call them? Like sensitive spots? Yeah, just like things that get me. It's like if yeah. a movie has this I or if it has this
0: there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, and even if I'm like I don't feel the same, I can be like, wow, this this is teaching me a lot more about who you are as a person, which I love. Yeah. Um So just to end this episode, I will just say
1: Makushla means my darling, my blood. Makushla, Tatum. Ugh, Makushla. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.